What clients are looking for from designers are the words they tell you, not the words that you come up with. Because as designers, we like to say, I have this certification. I'm so well qualified. I have all this education. I have all this experience, which may or may not really be that important to your client. What may be important to your client is, are you not going to rip me off? How am I going to know you're not going to rip me off? Am I going to know what the next step is? Are you going to be a flaky artist type? How are you going to present this information to me? Just really thinking about what these people say to you, that's how you start creating the message that's then attracting more of them to you because you're addressing their wants, their needs, their aspirations, and their fears. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. When I was doing full-time interior design in Miami, I was known once or twice to use the amazing furniture and accessories from article.com. What is article.com, you say? Well, funny you should ask. They are an online-only furniture company offering beautiful and modern products, of course, that are high-quality, stylish, and made to last. Interior designers, architects, and other design professionals can now join Article's exclusive trade program. Wait for it. Article for Trade. You're going to receive faster, more efficient project management with truly dedicated trade support, industry-leading delivery times. Oh my gosh, what a pain point. How long is it taking you guys to get stuff? Sometimes you just got to plug in some furnishings and finish the job, get it ready for a photo shoot, and the article is ready to deliver. They also have budget-conscious solutions for maybe you're doing a little bit of high-low design there. Article can fit the bill. They offer unparalleled value, and they're a trusted partner, not just a vendor. They're going to help you in finding solutions, in deciding on what to choose for your designs if you're stuck. If you're in a rut, you can say, Mr. and Mrs. Article-type person, this is my project. What would you recommend? They can steer you in the right direction there. Their customer service is incredible, and they offer full project support. You can consider them an extension of your team. Article is offering our listeners an exclusive offer. When you sign up for the Article for Trade program at article.com slash article for trade, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's article.com forward slash article for trade to sign up and receive free shipping on your first order today. Hey there, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Darla Powell. I am the Grand High Poobah of all things here at Wingnut Social, a marketing agency for interior designers and adjacent verticals. And today we're talking all about getting your ideal client and, um, you know, maybe deterring some of your less than ideal clients, which might be scary to a lot of us. We don't want to leave money on the table. We don't want to turn away business. But I think that today's guest, Pamela Durkin, is going to shed some light on why that can be such a good thing. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that talk. A little bit of housekeeping. The Wingnut webinars are rolling and going really, really well. Thank you to all who attended my webinar on Google Ads 101 on April the 26th. That replay will be available at wingnutsocial.com slash webinars, or you can go to Wingnut Academy, which is launching, should be this month, prayer hands, prayer hands emoji. (laughs) We are on fire, ready to launch Wingnut Academy. And that is going to be online courses for digital marketing, social media marketing, and SEO for interior designers, architects, general contractors, home pros, to learn how to do their messaging and their strategy for digital marketing on social and on the Googles in order to attract your ideal clients, in order to be seen, to get visible, to be top of mind, and uh, be there when that ideal client is searching Instagram, searching Google to discover you, to pick up the phone, call you, and send monies, all the monies at you. Our very first course is Instagram, beginner and to intermediate for specifically for interior designers. So head on over to wingnutsocial.com, check out Wingnut Academy to be on the list to get notified for that course when that's going live and available. And three lucky designers are going to win scholarships free Instagram for designers courses by following us on our Instagram channel at wingnut social. You just stay tuned, look for that little contest over there. And when you see it, you'll know it. 
<laughs> That'll be your cue to go to town and get ready to win that course. We really appreciate that. Our wingnut webinar for May is TBD. I don't have a speaker yet. <laughs> Full transparency, but I am recording this way early in April. So no judges, no judges. But it's going to be amazing, whatever it is. So make sure you stay tuned, sign up for those updates, notifications, so you know who it is. They've been really, really well received. Okay, enough about that. Enough about us. Now, before I get into my conversation with Pamela Durkin, you know what time it is. It's time for mini news, mini news sesh. Yeah. All right. This week, we welcome back to the mini news sesh, Abigail Weidman, social media manager extraordinaire at Wingnut Social. Abigail, shocking, shocking, shocking Instagram news. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm like the Instagram news queen over here, but this one's pretty cool. It's, it's exciting. So Instagram has just announced that they're releasing some new messaging features. And these features are just kind of in a testing phase right now. I actually only have one of them. And I'm going to break them down and tell you all about them. Break it down. Break it down. So <laughs> the first one is the ability to scroll keep scrolling your Instagram feed whenever you receive a DM. So let's say you're scrolling, you don't want to lose your spot, you found a really cool post that you you know, you want to save or sure. interact with, but then you get a DM. The DM will pop up on the top of your page and if you just hold it down, your screen will actually turn into kind of like an inbox and you can just respond there and without ever, ever, ever going into the messaging section and losing your spot in the feed. Oh, I like that. I actually really like that. That's that's very convenient because I can't tell you how many times my mojo has been interrupted by going and, uh, you know, with DMs. And I'm like, oh, where was I? What was I looking at? Oh, that's okay. Cool. I'm mm -hmm. on board with that. Okay. What else? Yeah. And it's really cool because we, I think I mentioned this a few podcasts back, but one of Instagram's key areas of development this year was actually Instagram DMs. So that's just kind of a great way to make it more convenient, like you said, and entice people to interact in DMs. But the next one is I have mixed opinions on, and that is Instagram is going to be telling you who is currently active at that moment. So Facebook Messenger is set up like that already. Right. You know, in the Messenger app, you have everyone's little profile pictures with green, like little green icons on them, and it tells you if they're active. Instagram is now doing that as well. And I don't know about you, but I'm not the biggest fan of that. I have a tendency to maybe leave some messages unread for a little bit, but <laughs> I do the same. Know. I leave a lot yeah. unread until until I time block <laughs> and I can get back and reply to them. I don't want people taking that personally. There is an option to turn that off, I think. Isn't there like a little toggle? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. I selected that. There is, but knowing Instagram, it's gotta be like hidden and you have to go into all the little settings. But it's gonna be it's gonna look differently. So even if you can turn it off, it's gonna look different now in your DMs. Either way, the little icon's going to be up there, mm -hmm. but you can turn it like the green dot off. Mm. Okay. Um, All right. So it's going to okay. look different. It's going to look different. All right. So just be aware you can the, turn that off if you want to. You can, <laughs> Yes, you can turn it off. I would turn it off. I know. Let's turn um, it off. Okay. <laughs> the next one is you can send messages silently. And I really like this one. So let's say you're scrolling Instagram late at night. You see something you want to send to your friend, but it's late at night. You don't want to send them a notification. So now if you just type at silent in your DM, oh. it won't send them a notification. Okay. So silent, but deadly. <laughs> silent but deadly <laughs> oh that's cool so you don't have to worry about maybe you can send someone that night i have i've done that i've sent stuff at like some weird times because i'm such an early mm -hmm. bird and i'm like oh my god what if they're not up already i like that that's great mm -hmm. yeah it's really cool i really like that one i tried to test it out and i don't have it yet i'm interested to see if you have it but I, that for some reason is my favorite one i'll take a look i don't know if i have that yet or not but i know i can certainly use it yeah, yeah. And then the last one is another way to just make the DMing process more convenient, entice users to do it and interact more while also maintaining their interaction in the Instagram feed. And it's just an easy way to allow you to send your Instagram DM quicker. So if you hold down the little arrow, I believe it's on the bottom left of your Instagram posts. If you just hold it down, the most recent list of the people you've DM'd, their little profile pictures mm -hmm. will pop up and you just click it and hit send and continue scrolling on. So kind of similar to the first one, just another way to keep it super convenient and get you to send those DMs. 
Okay. So out of all of these, definitely, I think send messages quietly and uh, knowing how to turn off my I'm online <laughs> notification. <laughs> and I like I like replying while you browse the quickly send to friends. Well, I don't know. I guess that I guess that would be good too. Like, is that more for if you have an isolated friend group, you know how you can categorize your your contacts? Do you know? I think it can be either. I mean, if mm-hmm. you have a little a little group or if it's just individuals, you can send it to either one super quickly. But it is just going to be your top most recent, most interacted with accounts that pop up there. Okay, so that makes sense. Alrighty, cool beans. Mm-hmm. Abigail Weidman, thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Many new sash. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now let's get into my conversation with Pamela Durkin. But first, you know, I got to tell you all about her. So Pamela Durkin, after 30 years of being in the high end design business is now helping other designers create a business that they love through her in demand designer program. Pamela teaches them how to be magnetic and attract the best clients. This method makes owning a design business easier and more fulfilling. Her book Elevate can be found on Amazon. She is a past president of the ASID Florida South chapter, my old stomping grounds. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Pamela Durkin to the show. Hey there, Pamela Durkin. Welcome to the show. How the hell are you? I am so good today, Darla. How are you? I am doing splendid. It's a warm day here in Maryland for the first time, but by warm, I mean it's like in the 60s. <laughs> so nice. I'm, I'm actually wearing shorts here. You can't see, but I'm wearing shorts and it's nice, nice, nice. So Pamela, we are going to talk today about really narrowing down and finding your your ideal client and weeding out some people and and designers listening might be kind of afraid to do that because they don't want to limit their pool. But you're an expert and you're going to tell us how to do it and why it's going to pay off in the long run. But before we dive in, just tell us a little bit about yourself, what makes you an expert in this field and we will get rolling. Sounds good. So I have been a professional designer for 30 years And my background, actually, I started in commercial design and then went on my own in my own business 22 years ago, back in 2000, and continued to do partially residential and commercial. I lived in New Jersey at the time. And right around the time of 9-11, we kind of decided that it was time to move from the hustle and bustle of up north. So we moved to Naples, Florida and continued to have my own business down here and work on commercial and residential projects. So I'm still a practicing designer, but I have been working with other coaches and mastermind groups for seven years or so. And people kept coming up to me asking me when I was going to start coaching people. And it really wasn't something that was in my mind at all. But as things started to move along and as the years passed, I realized that It would be great to move out of design and into something else. And coaching has a real appeal to me. And I think I can really help people with the amount of experience that I have and the diverse experience I have. So that's what I've been blending my time doing for the last year or so. That's a good gig, right? Well, you have 30 years of experience. I mean, you certainly have something to to base that on, right? And I love Naples, by the way. That was That's one of my favorite areas. I was based, before I was um, a cop with Miami-Dade, I was based out of Game and Fish. And I worked that area, Sarasota, Naples area for a year. Just a small fun fact. <laughs> All right. So wow, the- <laughs> we have a connection. That's <laughs> we do. awesome. Yeah, there we go. We're basically twins. We are. We're twins. I have to say, you don't look like you've been doing anything for 30 years. How old are you, can I? ask? So I am 52. Oh, I'm 53. (laughs) Okay, well, then there you go. Okay, all right. See, twinning. All right, cool. And this is a real pain point with interior designers, especially newer designers is the struggle of narrowing down to find your ideal client in, in such a particular way that they're afraid of leaving money on the table of, of turning off particular clients. And this can even be in a very broad sense at the, the marketing agency, right? Wing social that we run, we're all about being your true authentic self and attracting that, that like-minded tribe. So you enjoy working with them. Things go off well, but even then we get pushback from designers saying, well, I, you know, I feel like I need to be a specific way because I want to attract this kind of client. I don't want to turn off any other clients. And so it is a little bit of a struggle, but you you definitely have this this locked and loaded. So tell us, let's start off with your philosophy and your theories behind the perfect client avatar for any given designer. Tell us your thoughts on that. 
If you have any experience as um, you know running your own firm or working with clients, you can start to create and craft your perfect future client. And what I like to think of them is as a person, right? We call them the avatar or you create this person or this persona. But what you do is you take the the best things about past clients that you have worked with and you mold them into basically one person. And then you start to think about the motivations that those people have had or your best clients have had. There's a couple layers to that, meaning you also want to be looking at what work that you've done that's been profitable. So it's not only just a person, but is there a profitability tied to that type of project? And hopefully the answer is yes. And then the third component is how much you enjoy doing that part or that type of project. So I think that there's a couple different ways that you can really narrow down that client by the person or the personality, the motivation of that person, the profitability, and then how much enjoyment and how great did you feel doing those types of projects? And that creates the goal for what you're trying to attract. Yeah, right. So it isn't a fine balance. Not only do they have to be profitable, which is, (laughs) you know, that is a pretty big part of it, but you don't want your life to be to be miserable. So how do we start internally looking at that? What makes us happy about this future client, this future avatar? If we're sitting down with a piece of paper, and we're writing down these things, what kind of adjectives or nouns or verbs or (laughs) whatever they are, are we writing down to describe to winnow this out? Right, I can give you an example of what I've discovered in my own business. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm from New Jersey. So things are this is how I roll. They don't roll like that in Florida, but I'm rolling like this. So I realized that when I did my best work was when I was with people who made decisions very quickly. So people who kind of, I don't know, I got to think about 19 different things like that stuff drives me nuts. And you can see it on my face, like there is no hiding it. And so that's like not good for anybody. So I discovered that for me, people who are executives, current executives, or retired executives are the best types of clients for me because A, they're making thousands of decisions every day, so they're not thrown by that. They make decisions very quickly, so they go by their gut. They believe in hiring professionals. They also know that when you're an executive, because you're making decisions very quickly, there are times that all those decisions are not going to work out perfectly. So they understand that for the sake of speed and efficiency, there are a few things that are going to have to be revisited. And so those were like some of the really big aha moments for me because I realized that's when I did my best work and they appreciated that personality type in me. So we were very simpatico, so to speak, like we were really on the same page. And that created a connection very quickly, which as you know, in marketing, you want someone, how many times has someone come to you and said, I feel like I know you, we're like on the same page, and maybe you've never spoken to them before, that means the message is connecting. And that moves that sales process way farther down. There's a lot less work on your part later on. That's true. So do you have to have had the experience of the hard knocks of the bad clients of the good clients to be able to sit back and reflect and say, okay, after much inspection, this is my ideal client, or can someone do this just going into the business? What kind of advice do you have there? Yeah, I mean, I think that If you're new to the business and you don't have a ton of clients and a real experience on what you think you want to do, then A, I would try a few things, right? But you can also create some boundaries ahead of time, meaning, and that a lot of that comes just from us saying, I'm not going to take every, I'm not going to make meetings every day, every hour. Like you have to create some boundaries to your to your own business. And that will also keep you more level-headed in terms of making these decisions, But you can also be really aware, like I think designers have an acute awareness that is as creatives, we're very generally intuitive, and we can read people. And that's how we are good at what we do, because we can read people 
relatively quickly and move things along in terms of once the design process starts. So I think we need to take that skill and use it towards the type of people that we want to work with. Some of the words that they may say to you in the phone interview could be very telling. Depends on how many negative words they use, (laughs) how positively they frame things. So You know, one of my requirements is I only want to work with nice people. One of the things that most nice people will say is, is this something that you would be interested in? Yeah. Almost all of them will say, will ask permission if this is something I would be interested in pursuing. And to me, that's a sign that they are not a selfish person. They're considerate. They're considerate. I mean, don't we all want to work with considerate people? We certainly have all had those clients who have beat the crap out of us, and it is not good for anybody. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and also, too, think about it this way. So there's two things I want you and your listeners to think about when they take on clients that aren't great clients. Maybe it's maybe the motivation is for the money or whatever sure. the, the, the reason is. There is additional fallout to taking those clients aside from them just not being nice to you, but they take up so much of your emotional energy and your mental energy because you're continually trying to make them happy because we are people pleasers by nature. Yes, we are. So you're spending a lot more time trying to make them happy and a lot less time with the people who are not giving you a hard time, right? Yeah. And you're just you know, you're kind of going through the motions. So you're really not giving your best self, your best work, your best work product to those people Mm -hmm. because you're already upset with them. So to that point, I love that because you can't make everybody happy. You can have the best product, the best systems and processes, the best design aesthetic. And if you have the wrong client who doesn't get it or doesn't like it or doesn't see it, and you're bending over backwards to make them happy, you're not going to. Yeah, they paid you. Maybe they gave you a check, but will they be happy? Will they give you a testimonial? Are they going to be a happy client down the road? And are they going to have the end results that you're you feel good about signing your name to, right? Are they going to enjoy the house? Are they, you know, are they getting the warm fuzzies from it? The check in the beginning, I get that. You know, we we have to pay our bills. We have to pay our mortgage. We have to pay our employees. But the headache, and this comes from experience. The stress, the sleepless <laughs> nights, right? The yeah. sleepless nights. This comes from experience. And I, I'll say that, you know, we've had ideal clients on the design side that get pushback. I have a hard time not showing my emotions to clients, but it, this is this is the way. Trust us, you know we're the experts, and they give you pushbacks, and and it, it just wasn't fulfilling. I, yeah, I got a checkup from it, but I'd give it back. <laughs> and you spend a lot more time. Yeah, you right? spend a lot um, more time. So then the client that comes to you and says, "I trust you. I love your work. I know that you're the professional." To what you said before, they don't mind delegating to the professionals to get it done, and it gets done. You do it great. They're happy. No friction. Testimonial. Bada bing. Bada boom. And way more worth it. And you get a bigger check. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to talk about that as well, the financial point. So when you are trying, when you're just throwing scattershot out and you're trying to hit all clients, I'll design your Tuscan style you know, outdoor kitchen or whatever. And rather than just niching in and getting your ideal client that makes quick decisions, it's going to say, would you be interested in this project? I'm, I'm working all day, get it, you know, just do your best. Here's a, here's a check. How that affects your bottom line as well, as far as what you can charge in your prices when you get to the point to where you're attracting your ideal clients. And then we'll get to how to attract them. Yeah. So even a few years ago, I made a conscious decision that I was only going to work in a certain style. And the reason I did that was because that was the type of work I like to do. It was the type of work that I knew my sources through and through. It was the type of work that I could do very quickly and was very intuitive for me. And so that's one of the first questions I'll ask somebody is what what's your style and just listen to what they say to me because for me that made a huge difference. If you do work in several different styles and you're not comfortable, it does take more time. So you have to take that into a consideration that you're going to be looking for maybe different sources or different details and all of that is going to take more time. And some of that may be a style that you don't even enjoy working in, which also, again, not the best work product. So if you want to have raving fans as clients and great testimonials, Mm -hmm. you need to be thinking about what's going to motivate you to get that 
best work product out. And that passion. So, and also let's talk a little bit about when you do attract that ideal client and you get that person that jibes with you about not just being a $70 an hour designer for, you know, a hundred people, maybe you're a, you know, a $500 an hour designer for, for less people. Once you've attracted that specific niche and that specific style and that perfect avatar, how do they relate? Do they relate to charging more for your time, for your worth, being more specific in that way? Yeah, I think they do because like we said earlier, um, when they come to you and, you know, I'm a big fan of also, you know, leveraging your network. So going to other people who are working with your ideal client and having them help you get ideal clients. And what happens is they get to the point where they're, they want to hire you. Mm -hmm. And when their motivation is they want to hire you because they think you're the best person for the job because they've been looking at other people or, you know, they've been looking at your work and they really want to work with you. They will spend more money. I mean, you can buy a $30 purse or you can buy a $4,000 purse. <laughs> That's right. still a purse, yeah. right? Right. So I think it really comes down to what we project as designers and what we project as the type of people that we want to work with and the type of work that we're doing, how really very important it is. Yeah, I think it's important to not think of yourself as a commodity, right? I'm an interior designer. I can fulfill all of these different styles I, to be more specific like that. Have you guys checked out article.com yet? I have to tell you, when I was doing full-time interior design, they were a lifesaver. I was able to order beautiful pieces at a very reasonable price point. An article offers unparalleled value thanks to their DTC pricing, members-only volume discounts, and flat rate shipping. Have you guys seen the cost of shipping now? <laughs> Not only that, but if you don't have a loading dock on there, a lot of vendors won't even ship to your house. So imagine how stress-free that's going to be when you're filling, you're completing a project or specifying furnishings and accessories. And you don't have to worry about that nonsense, client pushback on the shipping rates. It's just a really nice way to round out your design choices, especially if you're doing some high-low design, because Article offers some really competitive prices and their stuff is gorgeous. I'm telling you, go to darlapal.com and check out some of the portfolios there. You'll see some of the stuff that I've used at Article and the clients are very, very happy. Interior designers, architects, and other design professionals can join Article's exclusive trade program, Article for Trade. Article for Trade offers full project support, and you can see them really as an extension of your team. Their customer service is really, really, really amazing. So right now, you guys get an exclusive offer when you sign up for the Article for Trade program at article.com slash article for trade. You'll get free shipping on your first order. That's article.com forward slash article for trade to sign up and receive free shipping on your first order. If you listen to episode 258 with Julianne Hendrickson, then you know we do a kick-ass job marketing for our interior design clients. That's one way to go, is to have us do full-service marketing for you guys. But did you know that we also have a standalone strategy, your digital marketing playbook for all things digital marketing on social or even on the Googles, on the internet, on your website? So if you are not in a position to delegate your full-service digital marketing to a firm like ours, maybe it's not in the budget, or maybe you have an intern or a junior designer out there twiddling her thumbs, maybe she needs to make up a 20 or 30 hours a week because it's a full-time job. I'm not kidding. Hand them the digital marketing strategy and say, here, this is how Wingnut does it. This is how they do it for their clients. And they're so successful. Replicate that with this strategy. <laughs> All right. So I'm being a little simplistic there, but they are the exact same strategies, philosophies, techniques, positioning, value propositions, content pillars, content mix that we comprise on behalf of our full service clients. The only difference is, is that we actually implement them for you. So if you want to just get the digital marketing strategy and stop throwing stuff at the wall, stop the spray and pray, and just hoping someone finds you on Instagram, finds you on your social channel, channels. 
head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Check out our social media audit, social media strategy under services, and we will be happy to help you out. It is worth every penny, and we have the reviews that say that exact same thing. That's wingnutsocial.com. We're the very best at what we do. Real marketing, real results. So let's talk about leveraging your network, right? So you're doing great work. You're attracting your ideal clients. Uh, What are some steps or techniques that you recommend? Yeah, so most of us are in small businesses. So interior design businesses, you know, 80% of them or 75% of them are five people or less, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily have the big, you know, marketing department and staff and all these other things. And you're probably most of us out there are also designing and marketing and doing accounting and doing all these other things. So why not team up with other people who are also in small businesses who are looking for the same type of client that you have? Why not team up with those people? And why not keep your eyes out for those people too? I mean, why couldn't we help each other, right? So this is called leveraging your networks. And those Contacts can be whoever are good fits for you, but examples would be realtors, builders, the tile vendor, furniture showrooms. I've gotten so many referrals from furniture showrooms, the painter, Mm -hmm. cabinetry, countertop, building managers. I work in a lot of high rises here. Building managers are like so good to me because there's 50 people in a building. And the first person they go to is the building manager and say, I need somebody. And so these are ways that we can build relationships and use our time wisely, right? We can build relationships, say, with five people instead of trying to onesie twosie get clients on our own. So if we have five good referral sources and they each give us five opportunities a year, Mm -hmm. that's a lot easier for us. I always got great referrals from our contractors that we partnered with. Those That seemed to be the best because their clients would say, how would you do this? What would you do? And I'd be like, hell if I know. Here, I have a designer. Here's your number. <laughs> Give her a call. <laughs> right. Was, and it was an easy sale, right? It was an, it was a quick close. Mm-hmm. First of all, it was quick. Yes. Like I, you know, signed a five-figure design fee. And I think beginning from the first time I talked to them until we signed was five days. Okay. Yeah. They're very quick because they already like, okay, I've already hired this We're ready guy. To go. I've already taken yeah. the plunge. I've taken the trust in this guy or girl. They're going to refer me to someone they must be good to. But it also pays to have your all your ducks in a row too with your website and everything. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> website and all your documents that you send ahead of time. Yes. Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. Okay. So another thing that you talk about, which might be terrifying to interior designers, again, want, they want to get paid. They want to build their clientele, their network, their portfolio is to audition clients. Tell us about that. I use a process where I actually audition clients and I tell them that when we first talk on the phone, I do a phone meeting first. It's a quick meeting, but I like them to, in their own words, to tell me about their project. I don't ask about budgets. Um, To me, it's more important of the personality, the people, and the style. So that is my own personal way that I evaluate clients. I listen to the words they say. Again, is this something you'd be interested in? They're asking me this question. I always like to tell people that, you know, this is a marriage. You, I mean, I'm going to be, it is, and it I'm going to be in the most intimate parts of your home. And so we have to feel that we have good rapport and that we feel that we can communicate in a way so that not that we're going to always agree, because we're not. I mean, that's they're learning too. Sure. But that we're going to have an opportunity to be able to bounce ideas and discuss options, and no one's going to get offended. I said, you know, rapport is just incredibly important, and I will turn down a job if I don't think it's a good fit, and that could be for various reasons. And so I kind of set those calls up that way. And to be honest with you, most people really appreciate the fact that you will turn down a job if it's not a good fit. And I have turned down some big jobs. Um, I hung up the phone weeping slightly, but, um, you know, it, it has happened because I know, you know, either it's location, some, you know, there was a huge job that I got interviewed for, but it was two hours away. It was in Sanibel. Mm. For me, if you know Florida to get to Sanibel from where I am, it is like, it is, you forget it, your whole day shot and it's one way in and one way out. And it's a hike. I'm just not interested in that. And I also know that I have a lot of other things to do and to take that much time on a project. I didn't know that 
charging them all that extra time, Mm -hmm. you know, at that point, it just seemed like they could find somebody way closer. And so I've turned down jobs that way and told them the reason. So let's talk a little bit about the audition process. And you said you don't ask them budgets. Do you, at some point you have to get to the budget point because it is a business and you need to, do you have a minimum like dollar amount that you start with or did have to, the property have to be worth a certain amount or what do you recommend? Yeah. I mean, I will also for sure before we set even, so we'll set the call up and I get all that automated through Calendly. I will ask them for the project address. And so I will get a chance to look that up and look at some of the photos so that we can talk a little bit more intelligently about what they're looking to do. And everyone talks about style differently and it all has to do with our own perspective. So it's just good for me to have some photos to look at. So I always look at the property and the value of the property. And to your point, I have interviewed for jobs that were way too small (laughs) and just said, you know, on the phone. And I just said, to be honest with you, this is too small for me to take on. Believe it or not, in Naples, we don't talk budgets too much. I was just going to say, I know you're that's in Naples. crazy to yeah. think. <laughs> that was my, I was, yeah, in Naples, you probably don't have that problem a we lot. We don't yeah. talk budgets too much. But here's the reason, one of the reasons we don't, I don't talk budgets a lot is because whenever I ask that question and, and, you know, hopefully a lot of your audience will probably be shaking their heads yes on this one. <laughs> you ask someone what their budget is and they say, I don't know. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> they all say, right? So why ask them what a budget is? Because it's not even a number, like, right? It's not even a number. Now, once we get further in the process, I will say, so a couch that's $5,000, how would you feel about that? And Or a couch that's $15,000? And you kind of like see when they start to like palpitate, right? And so that gives you an idea of where, where budget-wise is. But the interview process or the audition process I do a 15 minute call on the phone. A lot of times I would say nine times out of 10, they, they're a referral. So again, the process has moved because someone else has said the referrals, no matter what are the best, because that gives you so much more credibility because somebody else is saying you're great, right? Yeah, that does help. Mm -hmm. So I always ask them, you know, I ask them to describe their project. I ask them to talk about timing Of course, I always ask them about style because this is important to me. And then once we get past that first process, I will set up an in-person meeting. And before we have that meeting, I will go ahead and send a shock and awe box, which (laughs) you're laughing. Why are you laughing? I like the name. (laughs) Because it's supposed to shock and awe you. (laughs) The reason I do that, and I do this for bigger projects, I will say. These are whole home projects. These are, you know, people who are going to spend $250,000 on furniture or up renovation that's pretty sizable. But the reason I do that, so you always FedEx the box, you send the box to them and inside the box will be things like, well, I always, I always give a little gift. I will always provide a little drink or a snack and a little handwritten note that says, here's some information about me and my company and how things will progress why don't you sit down and have a snack and a drink while you go through all of this information? <laughs> so you're encouraging them, A, to relax, B, to look the information over and, um, you know, just really dig in. And so I will give them, I do a monthly newsletter to my design clients. So I'll give them a few back issues of that so they can get to know me. They can get to know my voice, right? They can get to know what I feel is important. I will also put in my profile, my professional profile. I will put in an FAQ sheet, which is Mm -hmm. very commonly asked questions. And one of them is, what if I find something and I'm walking around and I find something I like? What do I do? Keep walking. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're addressing all the elephants in the room that come up, right? That come up with our clients. So we're doing this in a very non-confrontational way. I will put in my project process what the steps are to you know, any project, how long generally these things take. These are all things that clients do not know. It gives them such a level of comfort. I also tell them what days I take meetings, why I am not a marriage counselor. You know, aren't we though? <laughs> we're not. I say I am not a marriage counselor. So if you have a, if you guys can't agree, then go somewhere, yeah, figure it out, it come out. back yeah, to Yeah, I can't tell yeah. you how much handholding I had to do. So this is all, this, you send them this box, this shock and awe box before they've hired you. Yes. Okay. I love that. This is why it's so powerful. That's got to close a lot of deals. Who's putting that together for you? Do you have a service that does that? Or are you going out and hand curating these little snacks? 
I put it together myself, but there are services. So if you're doing quite a few of these, there are services that will put these together for you, which is pretty incredible. The reason I send this ahead of time is how can you show someone how you're going to treat them in a project before you've been hired? It's pretty hard, right? The only thing they have to go on is you saying, I'm amazing (laughs) and I am going to treat you so well. Yeah. You know, that's not as impactful as here's, here's, I'm going to give you something. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you how organized I am as a designer. I'm going to show you how much I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to show you how well I'm going to communicate by giving you as much information as possible. It's funny that you talk about this today because I'm just reading a book. It's called um, Sell the Way You Buy. I have it pulled up here with David Mm -hmm. Premier. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce his name, but basically he talks about even if your product is good, you're the best at what you do. The people who are working with you, especially if it's a service-related business, are buying the experience. And that is all part of the experience. And you're just really telling them, if you work with me, you're going to get this kind of experience. You're going to be taken care of. I love it. Some people might be saying, oh, well, I don't know how much that costs. Am I going to do that for every inquiry? So that my shock and all yeah. box is like $30. Oh, yeah. Like you can't really, come on. That's hardly a dent in the marketing budget, really. I like it. So how many of those do you think you send a month? Well, I probably send a couple of those a month. Okay. All right. Two or three. Easy money. Easy money. And here's the other great side effect to that. So they look through the information. When you have that in-person meeting, they've digested so much information about you. And then they only ask questions about the things that they have questions on. (laughs) Instead of you going to a meeting and being like, well, this is how I do this. And this is how I do that. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm just so great. And and going through all these things, they're like completely overwhelmed. And so this allows that meeting to be so much more productive, so much more intimate, right? Because now you're just talking about whatever it is that's super important to them. And they're really feeling connected. So- it's such a good tool. I love that. This is a ter- terrific idea. I, I think it's amazing. Okay, so what do you say to the designer who's out there listening who says, okay, I am a kind of a jack of all trades and designer. I, I am fulfilling all, all requests for all different types of aesthetic to any particular customer or client, potential client. What would their first step be in order to hone their messaging to start targeting a more well, at the risk of being redundant, targeted client. (laughs) Yeah. So I would go through the projects even that you're working on now and pull out the traits of all those, the things that you like the most about those projects. And then here's one really great tip is when you're out with clients, if you just write down some of the things they say to you, like today, I heard somebody say to me, I'm so glad you're here because this is all just so overwhelming. Yeah. And so, okay overwhelming and use their words, right? So their words are what clients are looking for from designers are the words they tell you, not the words that you come up with. Because as designers, we like to say, I have this certification. I'm so well qualified. I have all this education. I have all this experience, which may or may not really be that important to your client. What may be important to your client is are you not going to rip me off? How am I going to know you're not going to rip me off? Am I going to know what the next step is? Are you going to be a flaky artist type? How are you going to present this information to me? And so just really thinking about what these people say to you, that's how you start creating the message that's then attracting more of them to you because you're addressing you know, their wants, their needs, their aspirations, and their fears, right? And that can be particular to you, to your client, to what you like, your personality, what you jive with, your aesthetic. So it's a little bit of a soul-searching deep dive, but well freaking worth it. Now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I'm ready. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Okay, so the hashtag on my tombstone would be P. Diddy. (laughs) And the reason the hashtag on my tombstone is P. Diddy is because I like... A couple things. I like the play on words and I love music and I have named my phone for Bluetooth P. Diddy because <laughs> Pam Durkin P. Diddy. I got right away. Right yeah, away. saw so that. Yeah. <laughs> that is my hashtag for sure. It kind of explains my personality that I like to make people smile and laugh and I'm a little goofy. So. Hey, nothing wrong with that. We thrive on goofy here. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your favorite food forever. What's it going to be? Probably going to be sushi. 
I will probably eat sushi forever and never get tired of it. So, and being on a deserted island, that's like <laughs> unlimited sushi, right? You're thinking very practically. Yes. <laughs> Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you either personally or professionally and not your own. <laughs> no, not my own. So I read a book about a month and a half ago, really stuck with me. It's called The Big Leap. It's by Gay Hendricks. It's one of those books I think that you read every, you know, at least once a year, right? You come back to it. But the thing that was so striking about this book is you think that as you get older, that you do not carry stuff from your past or maybe other relationships that you currently have that they don't affect you and that you're beyond that and all of all of that. But this book kind of enlightened me that there were some things that were still affecting how I made decisions how I moved ahead with decisions on, you know, this new the coaching and things like that and the fears and some of the deep rooted that we carry with us. So I thought it was a great book. It really just opened my eyes to being aware of why I make decisions and why I do some of the things that I do in my own business. And I think anyone can really use that, especially if they're running a business. I love that choice. That's my number one go to that really changed the way I think about doing business when I first started. Uh, as far as delegating, getting outside of your scope of genius. I, I like that book a lot. Thank you. That's a great recommendation. Now you also have your own book, Elevate. Tell us a little bit about that. So yeah, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Elevate. And it really goes into some of the points that I think you need to think of when you're running your own business. And it also talks about some of the mistakes I made and some of the shiny objects I chased in my own business. And I think it's just good to know that we all go through the ups and downs of running a business. But I firmly believe that even as a designer, you need to be a marketer because you can be the best designer in the world. But if you have no business, it doesn't really mean anything. So it just kind of talks about all those skills being a best marketer, how to manage your time and why time and profitability are so incredibly linked together and setting boundaries and knowing how to create your avatar. I do a whole chapter on creating your avatar and what my avatar is and how you go about creating it. Alrighty. Very cool. Of course, we can get that on Amazon. That's Elevate by Pamela Durkin. Pamela, please tell the audience where they can go to find out more about you before we call it a day. Yeah, so you can definitely find me on my website at Pamela-Durkin.com. And I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So you can go check out all my goofy reels and things that I do there. <laughs> so definitely Pamela Durkin is on Instagram. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us, P. Diddy. Thank you. <laughs> So this topic came at a very good time, especially for me and my mindset. I actually just had a uh, consultation with an interior designer who lives in, in Houston, and she's a, an incredibly high-end interior designer, at least aspirationally speaking, right? She's educated in Italy. She has a terrific eye. Her design sensibilities are very specific expensive and high end. And she was telling me that she's struggling in her area with her messaging to put out that that is what she does. She doesn't want to lose out on, you know, the farmhouse and the stuff that's that's popular that's a dime a dozen out there because that seems to be the market that she lives in. So I understand the fear of leaving that on the table or thinking that, you know, if I'm very specific with this style or this aesthetic or attracting this very specific customer, that's going to be so many people out there that I'm I'm not going to be attracting. Or I'm going to be leaving money on the table. And that can be really scary, especially in the, in the very beginning. So it, when I started doing full-time design, right, I took on anything and everything because A, I needed the experience. B, I needed the money. C, full transparency, I needed to make some mistakes. I needed to know what I didn't know. I lost a lot of money that way, but I also learned a lot of things. So there is something to be said too for learning things the hard way, which I do tend to do. Maybe some of you do as well. Having gone through that and looking back on it now from where I am today, absolutely would have narrowed that focus down in the very beginning from the get-go. It would have changed 
so many things, but it's hard. It is hard to see it. It's hard to see it unless you've been through it. So I, I do get that fear. But it's very similar to in real life when you're doing your messaging for your ideal clients or you're really niching down. And you know, we've said this a lot, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot from other coaches is you if you're everything to everybody, you're nothing to anybody. You know, you have to be willing to push away some people to stand out or to do anything. I could have had a marketing agency. I mean, organically, it didn't work out that way because I started in interior design. But I'm just saying, theoretically speaking, I could have a marketing agency that we just do social media and SEO for anybody and everybody. And I would be yelling out there in a sea of millions, thousands, however many agencies out there. But because we niche to interior design, that makes us stand out, right? And we're that much more successful for it. There's not too many agencies that specialize in interior design. Definitely none as good as we are. (laughs) But I'm not biased or anything. Anyway, I think you're getting my point, right? So in the beginning, will you be slower going? Yeah, sure, probably. But I think you'll be building a foundation to ramping up to something way bigger, than just being any other designer, just being any other type of commodity. And that's, I think that's super important. And I love, love, love the shock and awe box. (laughs) I mean, the choice of name is shocking and gives me much awe. I do like it, but I love that idea, especially, well, I don't know if you're familiar with the Naples market. Naples market is very affluent. Um, So there is really no loss in that sauce by sending out a $30 shock and awe box. But it's just, it's those little things, man, that let you know, man, they're paying attention to detail. They're going to take care of me. This is going to be the experience of what it's like working with me. And in between my conversation with Pamela and um, doing this, this closing, this outro, I actually did reach out to David Premier on uh, Instagram and said, I love your book, How to uh, Sell the Way You Buy. And uh, would you be a guest on my show to discuss the book and, and your methodology with my audience? And he said, yes, how could I refuse? So stay tuned for that. Yay, getting things done. <laughs> I love it. All right. Don't forget to head on over to wingnetsocial.com. Check out Wingnet Academy. That is launching so soon. I'm, I'm telling I'm recording this in early April, so I'm, it's probably launching tomorrow. <laughs> It's right on it's right on the precipice there. You don't want to miss that wingnutsocial.com slash webinars for our May webinar to get the deets, the guests, and the dates on that. It's absolutely 100% free. You don't want to miss it. And um, that's it for this week. Remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars. Can't wait? Then head on over to wingnutsocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level. Hey there, and welcome to the show. I am your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things. Let's see if we can do this in less than 1,000 takes. All right, now let's get into my conversation. <laughs> Lips are hard to navigate around. Okay, I know where to start. Okay, take 756. Good boy, Mango.